This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Everyone in the Courageous Community, I'm Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to the Courage Cast. Well, today we have a special guest. His name is Kyle Smithson, and many of you know that I have a passion and an interest and a curiosity about the subject of health and wellness, in particular, working out, exercising, nutrition. I'm always experimenting and getting curious, and I love to talk to people about fitness and exercise. And many of you may remember we had Hector Bilardo on the podcast, and he is uh, the one that has 5% body fat. And Hector works out with a man named Kyle Smithson, where they met at the gym. And Kyle just so happens to be a sports nutritionist. He's got all kinds of degrees. And in the first part of this episode, he explains why He has these degrees. He actually had a stroke at a very young age. He had a stroke and it caused him to wake up. And uh, not many of us are lucky enough to recover from a stroke the way he has. And then he shares why he got all these degrees. And of course, now he's a sports nutritionist. He is in amazing shape. I had him here in the studio, so I had to check him out for myself to make sure this guy was the real deal. And he really is. So Hector recommended I talk to him and have him on the podcast, and I was grateful to have him on. So here is my conversation with this very special man with an amazing story, Kyle Smithson. Well, Kyle, welcome to the Courage Cast Studios down here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are, uh, we got connected through Hector Bilardo. Hector was in our was on the podcast. He's been a longtime friend of mine. He was, I don't know if you knew this, but he was on the podcast. I went over to his house mm-hmm. and I uh, just wanted to learn because the guy is in great shape for his age. I mean, he's almost 50. He's in great shape for any age. He's in great shape for any age. Exactly. Um, so you and him, he met at uh, the YMCA, right? You work that, out. That would be correct. Yeah. So he's a very friendly guy, very talkative guy, very likable man. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, but I've always been blown away by his, just his body fat percentage and how he keeps himself so lean and, mm-hmm. and in great shape. And it's, uh, obviously he has a great story to tell, but he said to me, he said, you know, on the nutrition side and some, even the exercise part, I, I just kind of do these things. I'm not an expert, but here's somebody who is, who can who can direct you a little bit even better than I can, and uh, so Kyle, you were recommended to for me to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expect big things right now, Kyle. A lot of pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> One of the things I I love to I'm very interested in is health and nutrition mm-hmm. and wellness. And uh, you have a degree that I think only you said 17 people have this designation well it's yeah it's a further specialty yeah and it's a sports dietitian yes sir sports dietitian you called me sir again sorry (laughs) he was calling me sir off air habit habit. it's a habit it's great it's good i like it i don't mind it it's a it's a good southern thing but um 
So you, but you have a story to tell about how you received this designation. So I want to want to just dive into uh, your background and what got you interested. I'm looking at a before and after picture uh, of you, yeah. and, you're, and what I'm seeing now in front of me is a very healthy, athletic looking man. But you weren't always like that, right? So I was, you know, that. that typical guy growing up, you know, you play sports, you're fit, healthy, mm-hmm. go off to college, you're not as active, the habits all change, and then you get busy with quote unquote life. And yeah, you sometimes lose a lot of those habits. And that's kind of a lot of what happened to me. I was in the restaurant business for many years. And so I had ample access to not so healthy food and with the long hours, didn't really have the time or didn't make the time to exercise. So feel like I was kind of what a lot of people consider today just a typical American where life gets in the way. and Yeah. Plump in every way, right? Very, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you were, it says on here, you were lost, going nowhere, alcoholic. Yes. You want to talk about some of that? Sure. Um, because of some other issues growing up, I never ended up finishing school. And so I had about two years at UT Knoxville. I went from a local high school that was very strict and monitored, you know, and then go off to UT where it was a free for all. And, you know, just not having as much freedom when I was younger, I just kind of went hog wild as the expression goes when I got up there. And so, so graduated from UT. No, actually, I had, you know, I was in my second year, and one of my friends from high school committed suicide, oh. and I came home shortly after that and entered an alcohol treatment program. Wow! So, oh, so you were you became an alcoholic, at, or you? Were... No, it was more of youthful drinking okay. and just not at nineteen years old. I didn't have the tools to deal with a friend of mine committing suicide. Yeah, so that was your method. I started drinking a lot, and then one night I just called my parents, probably I think at two in the morning, and said, "I, I miss my friend, and I wish I wasn't alive anymore." And mm-hmm. so my dad got in the car, drove up to Knoxville, mm-hmm. picked me up, and then later that day I was admitted to Centennial's dual treatment program. Okay, and how was that for you? It worked well at the time. I realized, you know, after I did some of the counseling and worked through it, that I wasn't really suicidal. Like I said, I was just 19 years old and I didn't know how to deal with the grief of losing a friend like that. So it was a lot of dealing with the grief and finding a correct avenue for Mm -hmm. dealing with that grief. And so after I got out of rehab, I did a couple of jobs here and there and then took a wrong turn into the restaurant business and then just went straight into the workforce. Yeah. Uh, What do you say wrong turn? It wasn't good for you. Well, for someone that was, you know, initially struggling with struggling with some alcohol issues, and if anybody that's worked oh, in the, the restaurant, restaurant business yeah. yet, that's not the most conducive mm-hmm. atmosphere for not drinking. So, mm-hmm. so eventually, you you got back into got back that. into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you were doing workforce alcohol related. You're very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, lost spiritually. I was. Yeah, I grew up in the church of Church of Christ. Both of my grandfathers were elders. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was kind of the, what I would call the less tolerant earlier years of the Christian religion where, you know, I told my friends I'm Church of Christ and they're like, oh, so you think I'm going to hell, don't you? It's like, <laughs> well, if I said yes, it's just because I know you personally, not because of what you're doing on Sundays. <laughs> I'll, you know, just kidding. But uh-huh. yeah, so very strict, very strict. Yeah. So you were ready to kind of make your own way and think your own way was the right way to go. Yeah, and it wasn't. That time. It wasn't. So, so what happened uh, to get you from this point? You know, from that point of lost, hmm. nowhere, going nowhere, alcoholic to, you know, what happened? Tell me, tell me where well, where it changed for you. 
Well, before the actual change, I feel like the downward spiral was kind of, like I said, I didn't finish school. And so all of my friends had gone on to graduate, start careers, start families. You know, they have that idyllic life that, you know, everybody says, is, oh, my God, that's yeah. the perfect life. Right. And I didn't have that. And so I was kind of, oh, poor me living in that self-pity of, well, it's too late. If I had it all to do over again, this is what I've done differently. Mm. And then coming up next month will be my nine-year anniversary. I actually had a massive stroke. You had a stroke. I had a stroke. On November 25th, 2008. That would be the day. That was the day it all came crashing down and all took a big change. Tell me what happened. How did that, tell me about that experience that day. Wow, it was, you know, started out like any other day. Because you were in your 20s or 30s. I was 34 years old. 34, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going back to school. I was in the nursing program at Columbia State here in Franklin. And um, yeah, I started like any other day. Typical thing, went into was watching TV, drinking beer, and in that the night. No, in the evening. Okay. <laughs> yeah, couldn't wasn't a morning or day drinker, but yeah, it was that evening. Okay. And I remember vaguely remember getting up to go get another drink, and I just blacked out and fell across the coffee table. Wow. And I remember feeling helpless, and it's like for some reason it's like I can't get myself up. Mm. And because of the stroke, you know, I was starting to get paralysis in the left side of my body as I struggled to get up. I was able to get to my phone. My vision was impaired. You know, all my friends and stuff were at work. So this was probably about eight or nine o'clock at night. So I was frantically going through my contacts, trying to find somebody to call. Mm. And so I was able to get. You didn't think about calling 911? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a fear of, you know, it never dawned on me right. that this was a stroke. Yeah. And because of, well, my drinking, I was hiding it. Okay. You know, Got because it. of my trip to rehab earlier, I was trying to keep it from my friends and parents and oh, family. Oh, you ashamed of what yeah. you were doing. Yeah. Very much so. Mm-hmm. So it's like I didn't want to get my parents involved for that reason, who probably yeah. would have been the smartest call, that or 911. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, if I call 911, it's going to be something silly. I'm going to get to the hospital and right. they're going to say, take, you know, an aspirin and call right. us tomorrow type of thing. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, I was like, I was worried about the hospital bill I would get from the emergency department. Right. So being cheap almost killed me. Huh. Stupid. Yep. Right? We do stupid things, don't we? We do. Yeah. So, so okay. So you, you eventually reached a friend? Or I eventually reached a friend, and it's really weird because she was one that almost never answered her phone. Mm-hmm. And so after you know getting up off the coffee table, I went and lay down for a little while thinking I could sleep it off, not realizing you know I was having a stroke and potentially dying here. Mm-hmm. So got up, called her, and I live out in, in a country area where there's no street light. She had never been to my house before. So yeah. I got her on the phone. We went back and forth. And finally, she said, I can't take you to the hospital if you don't tell me to. Right. So finally, I was like, yes, please come and get me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She drove out there, and she, because, like I said, no street lights, she had never been there before. She was driving up and down the road looking for my place. And so I got it in my head. I'll just, yeah, I'll go meet her at the street. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a safe thing to do. Sure. So living in upstairs in a two-story house, I got, out, got my shoes on, made it down a flight of 12 to 14 steps, wow. mm-hmm. about 50 yards or so down the driveway. And she was still driving up and down looking for me at this time. And I just remember saying, I said, I'm down here by the road trying to meet you. Please don't leave me out here. Mm -hmm. And about that time, I saw her headlights and she pulled into the driveway. Wow. I got in the car and she drove me to Williamson Medical Center. Mm -hmm. We got to the hospital and I was a bigger fella. I was about 255 or 260 then. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, do I need to get help to get you in the building? Because I can't do it by myself. And I said, no, I think I can walk. And so, yeah, well, actually I did. I made it in. I walked into the emergency department. 
saw the triage nurse. They quickly took me back, and that was the last time I walked by myself. You still didn't for about think you were weeks. having a stroke? No idea what was wrong with me. Okay. It was weird because I I felt like I was drunk mm-hmm. because my equilibrium was off, my speech right. was slurred, my vision was off. Right. So that's like why I didn't have any major red flags going up mm-hmm. other than I knew something was wrong. Right. Okay, so they treated you medically. They took care they of did. you, mm-hmm. and they recognized it was a stroke. When I was being transferred up to a room, the transferring nurse noticed the facial droop, and they called mm-hmm. the uh, on-call and no neurologist. Yeah, and then they had me shipped to St. Thomas Hospital okay. about three or four o'clock in the morning in an ambulance. In an ambulance. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, so you had facial drooping. Mm-hmm. You were having trouble with your equilibrium. So, what happened to you? What were the were, were the parts of your brain that uh, that were affected? By the stroke? Well, specifically, I do not know, but having seen the MRI, it's funny. I can see the dark spot on the MRI. And I remember asking my counselor, I was like, what is that? And mm-hmm. she goes, that's the necrotic tissue. Mm. And, you know, it's all fun making jokes about it until you actually see that spot and realize there is a dead spot of tissue in the middle of your brain that no longer has function. Interesting. And and how long were you? was the blood flow cut off from that specific area, <sighs> you think? We don't know specifically, and that's why they couldn't give me that clot-blasting drug. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're given outside that window, you're risking being, you know, bleeding to death. So, right, right. Couple, two to three hours, maybe. Two to three hours, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so you lost the ability to talk? Walk? Uh, initially, I lost a lot of cognitive abilities. Mm-hmm. My memory was had a lot of holes in it. <clears throat> my speech was affected. My ability to chew, swallow. I've you know, recently found out that I was on a pureed diet of food for about a, a few days at least, mm. just the consistency so I wouldn't choke. Mm-hmm. So the, all that was going on, you weren't aware of it then. I mean, once you finally got there, you just collapsed. And I have a few memories of the first few days, mm-hmm. but there's a whole lot of gaps in there. Yeah. And so it was luckily when I was in the neurological ICU at St. Thomas that I went through the detox process. Okay. So tell me what your process was. I'm seeing here some dates where you began to began to make changes in your life. Like what happened to you? spiritually emotionally what was going on like after the the initial trauma period there right. for those first few days it's really weird you know this is how i truly truly believe that god was involved because i was able to start taking actions on things that i never was before you know the old me was oh woe is me why couldn't i have done this why 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 mm-hmm. and so you know by looking at my past history it seems like it would we'd stay in that oh, poor me, why did this happen to me? But it's, for some reason, I just realized at that point, this has happened, let's deal with it. Now let's do everything we can to get better. You know, I was 34 years old, and I didn't want to live in a nursing home for the rest of my life. So I wonder if it was almost like the, 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 the necrotic part of the, the tissue, the brain that died was the, the part that needed to die that re- could remove the obstacle that you kept having. Hmm. You know, feeling that, that sorrow for yourself and self-pity it was almost like somehow it was removed. Right. Yeah. That's why I said it's it's way it's above me. God, right. So, so you started seeing reality mm-hmm. for what it was. So, what decisions did you start to make, and commitments did you start to make at that point? Well, like I said, I knew that I was going to have to get healthier because when I had the stroke, I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and type two diabetes. Okay. And so, you know, all of this happened on one night. I remember I was laying in the emergency department, and they were like, "Well, Mr. Smithson, how long have you been diabetic?" And I'm like. I'm not diabetic. And he's like, yes, you are. Mm. 
So then we went through that with each of those conditions. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me the basic survival skills. They said, you know, just do this and this and this Mm -hmm. to start getting the diabetes under control. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, you know, I'd stopped drinking. My eating habits changed. So the weight was literally falling off. I lost about 70 pounds in six months. Wow. 70 pounds in six months. So by, so this was November 25th, 2008, Mm. right before Thanksgiving must've been two days beforehand. Yeah. And then, um, then, uh, by May of 2009, you lost 70 pounds. Mm -hmm. It says here that you, uh, you got saved and baptized in January 25th. What changed there? Just realized you needed to surrender. Well, it was one of those things growing up. I always wanted to, but I feel like I was kind of scared to go up in front of the congregation right. and do that. And it was always so intimidating. You know, mm-hmm. I thought about in the past and it's like literally my hands would shake mm. and I was just scared. Mm-hmm. But this morning I remember sitting in church and it's funny looking back, all my family's like, why didn't you tell us you were going to get baptized? We would have been there. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it just happened. I was sitting there and they did the song of invitation. And then, you know, the preacher asked if anybody wanted to be baptized. And it was funny. There were just little things that happened that morning. Like, the th- I remember the third thing being we were sitting over on the side aisle and the sun just came through the window right at that time. And yeah. I was just like, it's time I'm going. So mm-hmm. my mom was with me and I touched her arm and said, you know, I'm going to go up. And she says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to get baptized. And mm-hmm. she started crying. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet was that? Would that moment it was very sweet. for your mom? But yeah, yeah, it was amazing because it was actually two days Two months to the day that I had the stroke. Yeah. So so you lost all this weight here by May of 2009. Mm-hmm. So six months later, really, and two two months to the day of, of getting baptized, um, you you gave up drinking. I you did. were able to do that. You were able to lose the weight, eat better, make better decisions. Then you began to, you said, it says here, completed anatomy two class with an A, <laughs> reversed oh. HTN, reverse type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. What was going on there? Because that's not the normal response. People would just go to back to work. and Yeah, it was because uh, the professor I had for anatomy, I was trying to get into the nursing program, like I said, at okay. Columbia State. Right. And so the anatomy classes are, you know, the prereqs for getting in. Uh-huh. It's the classes they use to weed people out that don't belong there. Well, yeah. the teacher that, you know, had this reputation of being super hard says, I want to let you know I'm going to retire after next semester. So if you don't come and take your final with me, you're going to have to take the whole class over again with another Ooh, teacher. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, oh, goodness, no. I, You know, that was like surviving a beating, knowing you're going to have to take another one. Right, so right, no. I just, you know, with my little broken mind, I just got my books out, started studying while I was at my parents' house. And mm-hmm. just, a couple, you know, a couple months later, I went, took the final and – it was amazing to hear from her that I did better than several of my classmates and I just had a stroke. So yeah, there you go. No obstacle. Um, so you just got, you dove into education at Mm -hmm. this point. Were you still working? I was not. Were you on disability? I was on disability. Mm -hmm. And for that first six months I was living at home with my parents again. Right. Bless them. Yeah. Dad Mm -hmm. thought he got me out of the house and like a boomerang. I came back in. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome home. But yeah, I was blessed, very blessed that they were able to let me come back because otherwise I would have had to live in a skilled nursing facility. Mm. And that's nothing that any 35 year old wants to do. No, not at all. So you began, you enrolled in Lipscomb. You got, uh, you graduated with a BS in nutrition Mm -hmm. two years later. Uh, became um, an RD. Is that a, what is that? Registered dietitian. Registered dietitian at that point, mm-hmm. a year later. Um, you kept going with your education. Kept going. Cause Were you, because you weren't like that as a kid, uh, you know, in school, you kind of muffed around, right? So yeah. all of a sudden, what happened? You just. I think part of it was just 
seeing the success in things and it's like i can do this and Mm -hmm. it's like i've talked to other times it's like you know they say that youth is wasted on the young sometimes i feel that way about education because you know you go to school all the way through 12th grade you get out and you're just like i want a break but it's straight into college right right you know it's amazing when you're paying for school yourself how much more serious you take it yeah yeah i've apologized to my parents numerous occasions for not taking advantage of the education growing up right well we don't know kids 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 don't know they're not fully developed yet in their brains Mm -hmm. to fully understand what they're doing that's why they need parents. Back then, it was just football and girls, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you got your master's of science in exercise and nutrition science. Mm-hmm. You then became certified and specialist, certified as a specialist in sports dietetics. That is correct. That's a lot of degrees. It's a lot of money you spent. It is, but thankfully they can't <laughs> repossess that. <laughs> so what are you doing now with your degree? With all of this, what what is your vision and your hope? Now that you're, you've got everything and you're, you're setting off on a new, cause that just happened. Your, your final degree here mm-hmm. was in, in July. It was just recently. Yes. So you have a, a company called competitive edge nutrition food for performance.com food, mm-hmm. the number four performance.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are you, uh, what are you hoping to do? Why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing, I've decided to do my own business because it's scary, it's challenging, but it's exciting as well. Yeah. Because doing my own thing would allow me to work with all different kinds of people, with all different levels of fitness and all different types of goals. Mm-hmm. You know, so having had diabetes myself, it would allow me to work with diabetic clients to help walk them through down that journey that they can reverse it like I did. Yeah. It also allows me to work with people who are athletes, whether mm-hmm. that could be, you know, weekend warriors that like to do 5Ks, 10Ks, or if it's working with professional athletes. It just gives me a variety of clients. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is big. Now, th- this is the part I want to dive into. You don't okay. have type 2 diabetes anymore. Nope. You don't have high blood pressure. You don't have any cholesterol issues or anything. None. So let's talk about the meat of this literal uh, the, the lean pun in, meat pun intended um <laughs> let's dive into the lean meat of okay. this um some of you know that i became that i was a vegan for two weeks um in the courageous community they know i tried mm. veganism um two weeks huh for two weeks that's all it lasted um i watched the movie what the health have mm-hmm. you heard about the movie i don't believe i've heard about that yeah, one. It's there's not so what many the out hell there. it's what the health um, is the movie it's on okay. Netflix and, um, I recommend it to, to everybody cause it's a very eye opening movie. But anyway, all that to say is how did you do it? What do you teach? Let's dive into that nutrition. Cause you were able to do it. Mm-hmm. You believe anybody could do it. I truly do. You just have to want to do it. You have to want to do it. And there's a difference between, you know, I want to be healthy versus I want to be healthy. You know, yeah. it's putting off what you think you want right now for what you ultimately want the most. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So what, what is the path though to getting there? It's nothing extreme. There are so many fad diets out there. It is so frustrating. And I feel like I spend a lot of time with people debunking myths, things they've heard. Bless them. When someone says, Hey, Dr. Oz says, okay, (laughs) let's stop right there. He's a great cardiologist. You know, when it comes to matters of the heart, I would send you to him, but when it comes to nutrition, I wouldn't recommend you see any doctor. Right. What would you recommend then? Moderation. 
you know, it's learning. It's the simple things. It's while it can be incredibly complex on the math and the nutrient side, I try to teach it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. Like I tell my clients, I'm not the food police unless you need me to be. Mm -hmm. I find ways to work things that you currently like into your diet while Mm -hmm. teaching you the general structure of how to do meal planning Mm -hmm. and preparation, you know, making half of your plate fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. It's very simple advice because they're high in nutrients, but they're lower in calories. Mm -hmm. So, I can put someone on a 1200 calorie diet, which if anybody's um, a day, a day. Mm-hmm. and they're like, oh my goodness. I remember one client's eyes getting real big and she's like, I'm going to starve to death. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you're not. Cause mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you the right foods. that are going to allow you to get the nutrients you need, the volume of food you need while keeping those calories low. Yeah. Cause for me personally, just use me as a Guinea pig here. Um, I have been told based on my weight and size and everything that I need to be, um, I'm currently operating at about an 1800 calorie my needs Mm -hmm. to keep my weight where it is is about 1800 to 2000 calories okay for me as a man okay um in my size um about i'm six oh just under six foot Mm -hmm. uh, about uh 210 pounds i'd like to be uh 180 okay 185 190 Probably between 180 and 190 is where I would ideally mm-hmm. like to be. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not. That's that's what I weighed when I was uh, when I got married. Mm-hmm. It was 180. Then my wife started cooking some amazing meals, and I just dug in and didn't really think about it. I had great metabolism at the time, but eventually that catches up with you. It does. Um, so, uh, so you're saying 1,200 calories. Mm-hmm. For this woman, and that's right. the example. Uh, what would you say? The plan I'm on now mm-hmm. is some basic nutrition. It basically limits me to 300 calories every three hours. Okay. Um, which, and five meals. So that gets me about 1,500 okay. calories for the day. Mm-hmm. My problem is it's all great and tons of water, too, by the way. Yes. Uh, my problem is. Between 6 and 9 p.m. or mm-hmm. 6 and 10 p.m., I lose it. We'll go to bed about 8 o'clock. <laughs> but I lose it at dinner time. Right. It's impossible, or I think it's impossible, to stop eating more less than, you know, 300 calories. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just all good and I'm tired. It's very emotional eating mm-hmm. at that time. Um, bored, whatever. What do you... What do you think about all that? Well, yeah, a lot of times I've had clients that come as, you know, hey, a lot of people are in their evening, they're watching TV, they're having a snack. So I always tell people outside of mealtime or what I call scheduled meals, it's hit the pause button. Why am I eating? Mm-hmm. Am I hungry? Am I bored? Is this just what I do this time of night? You know, some people, when they watch TV, they have to be eating something. So that's become a routine for them. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not hungry, I say, you know, I use a lot of principles that are actually help people successful in Alcoholics Anonymous and AA. You know, it's behavior changes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's like you sit on your sitting your, you know, big lazy boy and watch TV at night. So what I say is, okay, if we're going to still watch TV, let's sit in a different spot in the room or let's watch TV in a different place in the house just to kind of do a different routine to kind of break those habits. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of that is if you are hungry, it's telling me that you're not eating enough earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. 
or the type of food you're eating is not that as well. You know, that's why fiber is one of our big friends because it slows down the rate of absorption. And so, you know, food sits in the stomach longer, which helps you to feel fuller longer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just in certain nutrients in your diet to help with that, choosing foods more wisely. Mm-hmm. So what are some good fiber foods to be eating? Fruits and vegetables. I've got one product that I recommend to all my clients. I wish I had stock in it. It's a very easy vegetables prepare. It's, you know, a microwave in the bag for all the professionals that are constantly on the go and say, I don't have time to eat healthy. You stick a fork in this bag, heat it up for about four minutes, and you're done. In the microwave? In the microwave. Mm -hmm. And so it's 12 ounces of broccoli, cauliflower, and carrots. Really? You can eat the entire bag, and it's only 100 calories. No way. Way. Where is it? Where is it? I get it at Publix. What's it called? Uh, eat right. No, eat smart vegetables. Eat smart vegetables. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this down. You should. Okay. It's so, probably not just at Publix, right? Well, Publix and Harris Teeter are the only places I've seen it. And now that Harris Teeter's gone by the wayside, it's just okay. Publix. So okay. I make sure that my clients that I'm working with are not shopping at the Publix I do. So I go and fi- I can't find my vegetables anywhere because I've recommended them to everybody. Uh huh. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, they're so simple. You can eat the entire bag of them. And going back to an example of that 1200 calorie diet, mm-hmm. say that gives you 400 for each meal. Mm-hmm. So you have like a large 10 inch plate even. So half that entire bag of vegetables will cover half the plate. Mm-hmm. 100 calories. Mm -hmm. The four to five ounce chicken breast is going to be about 124 calories. That's Mm -hmm. another quarter of it. That final quarter of your plate is a whole grain or starchy vegetable. So say that's like half a cup of rice, which Mm -hmm. is around 100 calories. Brown rice? Brown rice. Mm -hmm. So that entire plate put together is more food than I've had some people say they can eat in a meal. It's Mm -hmm. 395 calories. Wow. So it's about choosing the right foods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. And for me, it would just be having the vegetables and the four ounces of chicken. Mm-hmm. And that'd probably cover my 300 calories. It would. And yeah. it would completely fill you up. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's about selecting the right foods. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, hey, I need three meals, two snacks, three, three, whatever. You know, I tell people, nutrition plan is so tailored to the individual. So it's like I find out what your current eating habits are. So if you're used to three meals and two snacks and that works for you, great. Mm-hmm. If you're not a snacker, you know, it's finding, you know, putting those into the three meals or figuring however it will work into your life. Because my plan is not to completely change what you're doing, but to adjust what I think you should be doing into what you're already doing. Because mm-hmm. if you have to completely change everything you're doing, you're going to be less likely to do it or to stick with it. So, yeah. you know, I've had some clients that maybe had a protein bar that they liked and we meet and I do a sample day plan and they're, hey, it's still here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if it works for you, I'm not going to change it. My right. goal is to take out the things that don't work. Okay. What are the things that don't work in general for people that you need to get rid of? Well, it's not as much to get rid of. I had one of my professors at school. I said, the only bad food is that which is moldy and rotten. Hmm. So that being said, most anything can fit into a plan if it fits mathematically. The biggest thing I work on with clients, believe it or not, is portion sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've That's had, my problem. I've had some, you know, especially this is a big one for moms a lot. Hey, my kids came home from school. They needed a snack. I gave them one. I had a handful of almonds when they were having their snack. Mm-hmm. How many did you have? I had a handful. Full. How many did you have? <laughs> we go back and forth until finally I get the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because a handful is not a unit of measurement. Right. You can't look at the nutrition panel on the back of it and says, what's the portion size? A handful. Right. Yeah, that's actually a handful. Could be 30 almonds. Whose handful? Right. My hand would probably hold maybe 15, 20 almonds. 
easy. And if it's something you like, you would find a way to get another 10 or so in there. But, the, but that's a lot, that's a lot of calories, mm-hmm. right? That's a lot of fat. It is. Mm-hmm. And so it's talking about people. It's like, well, I had avocado. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy fat, but at the end of the day, it's still a fat. Same thing with almonds. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, teaching people about nutrient dense foods and calorically dense foods, explaining mm-hmm. the difference. And like I said, a lot of times it's working with portion sizes, you know, for those I've had that are my wine drinkers. I've had one lady came in and hit her fist on my desk and said, I have a glass of wine every night. You're not going to take that away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so if I wrote a plan for her that didn't have that on there, I would lose credibility and she probably wouldn't come back to me. So I worked it in and I handed her the plan and she had a smile on her face to see it's still there. And I said, like I told you I did, I worked it in here. But just know, if you have a glass of wine every night with your size and frame, this is going to slow down your progress. Right. So, therefore, I put it back on her, and it ends up being her decision. So, when we did our follow-up visit, she came back, and she looked at me with this big smile on her face and said, I want you to know I have not had a glass of wine in six days. <laughs> you know, which may not sound like much to non-drinkers, but if you're used to that, yeah. that's a big deal. But I was like, you just saved six, close to 800 calories. Right. And is it, you know, if you know or don't know, it takes 3,500 calories to equal a pound of fat, whether mm. you're putting one on or taking one off. So that's why it's so important to be conscious of how much of what you're eating. Wait, 3,500 calories? Mm-hmm. It takes 3,500 calories of food to equal a pound. pound of fat. What does that mean? Okay, so you said you were eating about 1,800 a day. That's what I, my, my position, right. I mean, the, the uh, LT360 tells okay. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's that what eight, I should be eating. It's, uh, it's those eighteen. Okay, so you take take that eighteen hundred as a baseline. Mm-hmm. If you were to eat thirty five hundred on top of that and not increase your level of activity, that would equal putting on a pound of fat. So that's what happens, like in holiday seasons. Mm. You know, it's you have your normal food for the day. You go to parties. Hey, it's extra five hundred calories here, extra five hundred calories there. So if you're doing extra five hundred calories every day for a week. On top of what your regular eating habits are. Don't be are. surprised that you've just put on a pound of fat. Exactly. Mm. <clears throat> and so that's why, you know, it's very important to know your portion sizes and to be very aware of what you're eating. You know, I have some clients that are like, well, I don't want to count calories. I know. That's what I was going to just about to say. People hate counting calories. Right. But question. But you, yeah. Granted, we don't write checks much anymore, but do you keep a balance on your checkbook? I do. I have to. Why do you have to? Because I need to stay on budget. Right. So what happens if you don't write it down? You then go I, off budget? I go off budget. How is your nutrition any different? It's not. So yeah, I tell my people, pain. I said, if I give you 1800 calories a day, I said, that's your balance mm-hmm. without overdraft protection. Right. You right. know, you can't go over and say, hey, I'll exercise it off tomorrow. It's uh-huh. working within your limits of what you have. Right. So, you know, I've got someone that's so financially sound and they're willing to do that, you know, and check their balance a thousand times a day. But when it comes to counting calories, I don't want to. Right. Right that's probably going to be the difference in you being successful and not right. It's a choice. Well, you, you, um, what is the, uh, you, um, what is it? You do what you measure or what you measure gets done. Hmm. That's a, like that. a, 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 some quote like that, what you measure gets done. And that's a, it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. And that's why I, I, I have to go back to measuring and, mm-hmm. and that's my judge. And it's amazing how much I fail though. It's amazing how much I've failed in that day. And it's people don't want to see that they're failing. They don't like that negative right. emotional hit. But then it's changing how you think about it. Because yeah. I tell people, one, I said, first of all, you're not going to have to count calories for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. 
it's a teaching tool. You yes. know, I did it, you know, when I got out of the hospital in order to control diabetes, I had to keep a blood sugar log. Mm-hmm. So I kept a food diary. So that way, if my blood sugar was high, I could look back at the correlating food and say, this is why. Yeah. So it allows you to make the adjustments. Yeah. Because you've got that metric. Yeah. And so by doing that and eating a lot of the same foods, you know, I just learned, hey, a large banana is about 30 carbs, has five grams of fiber, it's 120 calories. Mm-hmm. And so the things that I eat more frequently, I know. So therefore, I don't actually have to keep track. I just kind of keep a running tally in my head for that. So, right. Okay. And so I just treat each meal separately. Yeah. And so the good point about counting is if, say, you know, you do have a business lunch or you go out with your friends and you want to enjoy things and you go a little overboard on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have one of two responses. You have those people that say either, well, hey, I screwed up lunch. The day is shot. So I might as well just do what I yeah, want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Then you have the other people that say, it's like, okay, I made a mistake. That's in the past. Let's leave it there. Let's move forward. What do I have left calories wise for the day? What if you have none? <laughs> like, what if you have this huge lunch and you go to fast food and you have 2000 calories? What do you do? And you have nothing left for the day. You just have to keep. A- you. It's like any, any other catastrophe. You want to minimize the damage yeah. and do the best you can. So mm-hmm. you don't say, oh, it's just out the window, so right. I should just do whatever. No, right. it's like, okay, damage control. That's maturity, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's keeping that major goal and focus. You know, do you want to reverse any health situations you have? Do you want to be fit? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be around to see grandkids? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Or is that cooking more important? Right. You know, that might sound like an extreme, trivial way of saying it, but... You know, that's comes down to that. Yeah. That's kind of how I learned, you know, I almost died because I was eating garbage. Mm -hmm. And so I've just learned to look at food more differently. Do I enjoy food? Certain things I absolutely love on special occasions, but every day is not a special occasion. Right. (laughs) So I've learned to think of food as fuel for my body. Yeah. Not necessarily a delicacy that just must be enjoyed at every meal. Right. Right. Sugar. What are your feelings about sugar? White bread. Those are like the big no-nos, white, white, starchy well, it, foods. and It's funny because, you know, when we're in general health and wellness, everything is whole grains. Let's get the fiber, you know, focus on that. And so a lot of times when I've been working with some high school kids and their parents are so no white bread, no white rice, none of this kind of stuff. It's like, okay, I don't want to say the rules are different for sports nutrition, but things do change a little bit. We're talking about food for fuel because think about with all these whole grain options, the point of having the fiber is to slow down the absorption to prevent spikes in blood sugar. Yeah. Well, if you're getting ready to get on the field and go play football for two hours, you need that energy to get absorbed mm-hmm. into the cells and be ready to go for energy. So, therefore, like a pregame snack, a really good one is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on white bread. Mm. It's a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, but a lot of simple carbohydrates. That, that are, are going to go and give you the energy you need. Absolutely. Yeah. But when, how, how quick, how soon before you exercise or how much time should you give yourself from the time you eat to the time you ex- like a peanut butter and jelly with white bread. Mm-hmm. If I ate that 15 minutes before I was mm-hmm. going to work out, I would be terrible. Yeah. I would say always need to get at least an hour beforehand. Because Give yourself it, an hour of It has time. to get digested and absorbed and ready to go. And okay. if you're having it 15 minutes before, after 15 minutes, half mm-hmm. of that's probably still in your stomach. Yeah. And so if you're going to be exercising or competing and you're digesting at the same time, you're still having blood flow go to your GI tract to uh, digest and absorb. And so you're not getting all the blood that you could being delivering oxygen and nutrients to the muscles and taking away the byproducts. Yeah. So that's going to affect your performance a little bit. Yeah. So, um, 
so I've got a 15, about to be 16 year old son oh, who wow. is very athletic. Um, he was hit with Rocky Mountain, Mountain Spotted Fever. And he's had a had a rough go all summer. Mm-hmm. He's got very little energy, um, very just tired. He doesn't eat well, and it's typical teenage kid. You know, there's a lot of things that he thinks he can get away with, mm-hmm. but it's starting to catch up to him. The whole, you know, he doesn't want to drink much water. It's very, you know, milk and peanut butter is pretty much all he wants to eat. Yeah. and drink um but the, can you talk to talk to that 16 year old boy here for a second okay. what advice would you give him as a sports dietitian okay um to maximize he's a soccer player tennis player football player okay very um, active was not able to play football um for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. but um just could not it didn't work out at all or exercise, but wants to get back into it. Mm-hmm. So what is required for somebody like that to get them back into What's well, funny. Initially, my brain wants to just jump in and start saying, if you need this sport, you need this amount of calories, this much protein, this fats. And then it's like, I have to hit the pause button and say, I'm talking to a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I would first start <clears throat> off talking about, hey, how do you feel on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. Do you feel tired, lethargic, like you can't get going? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would start talking to him about, oh, yeah, you know, I was talking to your dad. He said you used to play football a lot and you haven't been able to play lately. Do you miss playing football? Mm-hmm. And so getting him to really think about, I really do miss those types of things and mm-hmm. I really do feel run down. Mm-hmm. So after tapping into that, then I would start talking about the whole food for fuel. Hey, carbohydrates are our main source of fuel during high intense activities. Mm-hmm. And so this is why you need this. This is how you should feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about afterwards, the recovery of, you know, replenishing a lot of those carbohydrates, eating the right amount of protein in order to build and repair muscle. Mm -hmm. And so I start talking about it very black and white, matter of fact, and it's not like food likes and preferences at that time. So I'm just kind of giving him, this is how you feel. This is what goes on. Now it's like, okay, do you want to be able to play football again? You know, what do you want out of this? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like I did with my lady with the wine. It's like I put it back on them in their court to let them kind of walk them to that answer. Because if I just tell them to, a lot of people, you know, it's like, yeah. They have to feel it and they have to want it. And they have to really want it. And getting them to realize that they want it is a lot of times what makes people more successfully than me saying, hey, I can just lay out the plan in black or white. If you follow it, you'll do it. Right. But if they don't have that buy-in and really want to do it, they're not going to be successful long-term at right. it. Right. So it's getting him to realize, hey, I loved playing ball. I miss playing ball with my friends. And so here's the plan in front of me that I have to do to get back to that. And then mm-hmm. it puts it on him to do that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Cause it's so much of it is buy-in and, and, and emotion and it is. you have to want it at the first. It is. And it's rough because a lot of times, you know, I've heard stories of certain pro athletes that, you know, because they're so athletically gifted, you can't talk nutrition to them. Mm-hmm. I was, know the dietitian who used to work with the Titans, for example. And she went up to one of the players at mealtime and just simply looked at him and said, Hey, you should get more color on your plate, meaning, you know, let's have some fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And he looked up at her and his reply was, I make $3 million a year. I'll eat what I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not coachable, yep. you're not going to be successful. Is That's, that person a successful person on the Titans or are they not there anymore? <laughs> I don't believe that they're there anymore. Okay. But, you know, yeah. that kind of the thing. It's 
when you're competing at a high level like that where everybody is good, you know, yeah. it's, I guess that's a lot of times the difference between that's the rookies the and the veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, after you've been there for a few years, you've been knocked around, you've seen your performance go down and you're realizing, hey, I've got to do these little things to get the edge. I can't go out partying with the guys tonight and right. club it. I've got to go home and get my sleep so I can perform my best on the field because sleep is another one. Because there's a kid five years younger than me that's going to take my job if I don't do this. Yeah. So, uh, Tom Brady is a, is supposed to be very strict about his mm-hmm. diet, and, and he's 40 years old now. Probably looks like he could probably play another five years at quarterback mm-hmm. if he wants to and if he has the motivation to. But he's definitely got the, the ability to from a from a health standpoint. Right. Um, yeah, so he's he's that's those are the kind of people that really make the difference and he's always he's been like that since he was very very young. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing the benefits of it. So, um do you know anything about his sports dietitian? Uh, I do not. I've he heard a little bit, but not enough to talk intelligently and spit mm-hmm. back any facts or anything. But yeah. I've got a recent example of a guy that I've been working with. He was a former college athlete, cross country runner. And he actually, it was funny, I've taught current clients now that's like, I said, you know, this guy comes to me and most people look at him and say, why are you seeing a dietitian? You know, he's about 27 years old, weighs about 135, he's 5'9 or so. So, you know, what you would Pretty think, trim. this person is fit. But his issue was he was work all day. He had to go home, take a nap for about an hour mm. in order to get the energy to go work out. Okay, got it. And so I, you know, took a look at what he was doing. I put together a plan for him. I increased his calories, his carbs, everything. And about a week later or so, I think it was last Sunday, he sent me a text saying, hey, one of the second biggest 5Ks in Nashville is this Sunday. Mm. I came in first. Mm. I ran across the finish line, and I could have run the race again. Wow. I And I love it. He said, I felt like a competition beast. <laughs> That's a cool testimony. It is. And he mm. said, the only problem I'm having is eating all the food that you put on my plan. Because like in his case, he wasn't eating enough. Yeah. But it goes back to food for fuel. Yeah. You know. Can you make it all the way to Florida without enough gas in your tank? No. Mm-hmm. Same thing with your body. Yeah. It's learning to think of your body as that fine-tooled machine, and the food that you're eating is you know, the gas that's going to get you there. And if you have a high-performance sports car, are you going to put the lowest octane gas in your car? No. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that to your body? Yeah. So if I wanted to run um, – if I wanted to compete in, in an Ironman triathlon, <laughs> so, my friend just completed it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's but, a very I, go ahead. That's a very complex plan. Yeah. When I was doing my internship, I actually was working with a sports dietitian, and she let me sit in on a session she was doing with a gentleman who's going to be doing an Ironman in France. Yeah. And he actually typed out his entire nutrition plan, and it was about eight pages of what he was going to do every fifteen to twenty minutes. Oh my god. He was going to eat this, drink wow. this. Wow. Because you know you can't in that when you're fueling, you can't wait for cues of "Hey, I'm hungry" or "Hey, I'm thirsty" because yeah. you get behind so quickly on energy that you can't catch up in that amount. So yeah. it was like literally every fifteen or twenty minutes, I'm going to eat a bite of this bar. I'm going to drink eight ounces of this and this wow. because yeah, it's a delicate balance of juggling you know your sodium, your fluid, and your carbohydrate needs. This is just for his training. What he does? Oh, this was during the this race. Is during itself. the race, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you've got to have a plan the week beforehand because you're going that long. You've got to maximize your stored energy. Mm-hmm. You can't just free free will it and hope that it's going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, you got to put put a lot of work into it. So yeah. So maybe start with a triathlon first if I'm going to 
right? Might or the sprint easier. triathlons. Yeah. Or for me, it'd be like just, just finishing 10K. the 5K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a 10K. But yeah, just recognizing that, you know, it's like I said, food is fuel. It's the gas for your tank. So you got to put the right amount of the right fuels in. What about knee pain or things that you generally encounter? Like, um, do you, do you work with people in that area as well? Can nutrition help you with those things? Inflammation? A little bit. Yeah. It yeah. depends on talk about what your diet is. Are you eating foods that cause inflammation or foods that help with inflammation? Right. right. You know, dealing with runners, for example, you know, thinking about, hey, if you've got a vegetarian runner, we could have some potential issues. Because think about it. As much as they run, every time your foot's going to hit that pavement, you've got the chance of damaging red blood cells. Mm-hmm. So you see a lot of anemia with long-distance runners. Mm-hmm calcium issues with you know bone health Mm -hmm. so it's just making like for them making sure they're also getting enough energy because Mm -hmm. if you're not getting enough energy a lot of times that can lead to bone issues right right so yes a lot of stuff that ends up being a direct effect of poor nutrition Mm -hmm. people just don't necessarily realize Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the hardest part a lot of times is getting people to know or to realize what they don't know right because think about if you've been 40 if you're 40 years old you've been eating for 40 years you're like hey this is not new to me i know Mm -hmm. what i'm doing Mm mm-hmm but once you start, you know, getting into the nuts and bolts of nutrition and performance nutrition at that, people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, yeah. What do people come to you? What's your primary client looking for? Uh, what are they? What is their demographic? And what are they looking for? Most right now are looking for weight loss. Weight loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the big thing. That, you know, everybody's wanting to be thinner. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily healthier, but thinner. Just thinner. They want to look good in a bikini. Yeah. The one or, that kills me sometimes is, hey, I've got a reunion I've got next month, and I need to lose 30 pounds before that. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. Pick which limb you want me to cut off with a chainsaw. <laughs> and I said, yes, what I said is no more extreme than what you just said to me. Yeah. You know, people don't want the answer of it's a marathon. Yeah. You know, it's slower is better. You know, looking at losing a pound a week. Could you drop two or three pounds in a week? Yes. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it's not necessarily fat. Weight loss and fat loss are not necessarily the same thing. And you're going for fat loss. You're going for fat loss, you know, and it's all about changing behaviors. Mm -hmm. That's why I see so many people that have done fad diets that are short-term successes. Almost always those people go back to to eating the way that they ate before when they hit that target weight. And so they're on that roller coaster that they lose five, they put back on six. So I'm setting myself up for failure if I'm really just going for weight loss. Kind of. Well, what made me so successful is I wasn't focused on a number or it wasn't for vanity reasons. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I almost died. I've got high blood pressure. I've got diabetes. These things kill you. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to control my nutrition to control my blood sugar mm-hmm. and then to reverse the weight the just happened naturally. Yeah, it, it was a wonderful a byproduct right. of right. having good behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's going to set you up to be successful for the long term is learning how to eat properly. It's not about depriving yourself and saying, I can't have this or I can't have that. You know, I have some form of dessert every night. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is it cheesecake? No. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's Greek yogurt with a little bit of granola and berries. I love Greek yogurt. So for me, it's functional. I'm getting, I know how much protein I'm getting. Right. And so, like I said, very few things are just for the sake of enjoying food. Like I said, on special occasions, birthday, you know, I'm, not opposed to baby back ribs and something mm-hmm. fun, but it's not a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. It's just this real special time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, free resources or anything that like you could recommend any of our listeners to take action on? 
uh, choosemyplate.gov, I believe, is a really good government-sponsored website. For those of us that grew up with the My Food Pyramid, Mm -hmm. that didn't make a whole lot of sense. This is a lot more simple. This is how I teach all my clients to plan their meals and put their plates together because it's a very simple visual of making half of your plates, half your plate, fresh fruits and vegetables, a quarter of it lean protein, and a quarter of it whole grains. Choosemyplate.gov is the resource where you would go to help people see a visual. Mm -hmm. I'm going to it right now. And this is the USDA's program, and they have basically the – very your vegetables. Interesting. Do you, so you're um you are subscribing to going to you you're subscribing to what the USDA would would recommend. Right. Um interesting that you do that because I watched like What the Health, mm-hmm. for example, or some of these other movies and they're just talking about how it's so corrupt. All of the government agencies are corrupt. You 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 nod your head and wink with a with a kind of laugh at that. Uh, yes. right? Well, it's and that's the thing about a lot of these documentaries. All of them have some good points to them, but always I want to tell people, look at who is putting the documentary together. You know, do they, they have, have an agenda? agenda? Do they have an agenda? Everybody has an agenda. Mm-hmm. Even the USDA has an agenda. I would say everybody has an agenda, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not to say that you can't find good resources at some of these places. And so that's why it's knowing where to look, knowing what a good resource is. Yeah. Like I said, I love to choose my plate because it's very visual and I'm visual. And so, you know, using that structure of half your plate fruits and vegetables, the quarter whole grains and the quarter lean protein, mm-hmm. you can use that anywhere. If yeah. you go out to dinner at a restaurant, you can, when you look at your entree, you can think, okay, this entree fits this, but what am I missing? I'm missing that extra vegetable. So it kind of lets you know how to do that. Right. You know, if someone wants a written meal plan and I'm saying, okay, tomorrow night you're supposed to have chicken with half a sweet potato and two cups of broccoli. If you go out to dinner, you can't necessarily make that happen. Right. But if you use this as a tool for putting things together, you can do this. Hey, I'm going to a buddy of mine's house for dinner tonight. What are mm-hmm. they going to have? I don't know. But by using this format, I can put it together beforehand. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So you always have a plan going into Absolutely. what you're, you have a plan of attack. If you don't have a plan, you're going to potentially, or a vision, a visual yes. of what you're going into, you're going to run into trouble what failing to plan is planning to fail yeah yeah it really is i like it i like it okay so food for is the way to find out and learn more from kyle smithson he's got so many degrees an ms rd cssd ldn board certified sports dietitian yes sir um very well done i love your story love where you're coming from well, thank you with uh from stroke to uh to this incredible uh, life change. Um, your scripture is, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. That is so true. That's so true. Philippians 4.13. My mom actually printed that on a, on a Word document and brought it to the hospital and put it up in my room. Yeah. And it was really cool for my birthday. I was, at that time, friends with Darrell Waltrip and his family, and they came up to visit. And I remember him looking at me and pointing up to that sign on the wall and said, I'm glad to see that in your room, brother. Yeah, yeah. I've been to his Bible study that he has. On, I was going to say, I was about to say when and where and everything, but I don't know if I should give out that information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got it at his house. It's great. That it's a great is. thing. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Well, um, Kyle, I'm uh, I'm blessed to know you. Thank well, you thank for. You. Uh, I may talk to you af- uh, off off air here and talk to you about my kids in particular and me Alrighty. and coming up with a, a good plan for them and awesome. for all of us. Um, Happy to help. A little more detail. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. 